Life Audio. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we wanted to continue our discussion on a commentary of the Gospel of John, a commentary on the Gospel of John. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to UnityWeekend.com. That's UnityWeekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. And as we said on our previous episode, uh, Gospel of John is not one of the synoptic Gospels. The word synoptic means similar, meaning the stories told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar as it relates to the narrative that the authors are conveying as it relates to Jesus' ministry. Even though John talks about Jesus' ministry, his angle or his perspective is very distinct. And when you compare it to the other three, you can see that it's dissimilar as it relates to the thesis, as it relates to the theme. John wanted to paint a different picture of our Jesus. And it's okay because the Bible does tell us that there were many things that Jesus did which are not contained in the Scriptures. But everything that he did uh, or did not do is in accordance to his divine nature. There's nothing that can be said about Christ as it relates to truthfulness that would contradict who he is ontologically as well as functionally. And by ontology or ontologically, we're talking about his beingness. He is a divine being. Even though he had a human nature, he's also essentially a, a divinity. So Jesus is both divine and human at the same time in terms of his two natures. So he's ontologically God. He, he's, he's no less God than the Father. He's no less God than the Son. He's equal with the Father. He's equal with the Spirit, rather. Uh, so Jesus is equal. And the Godhead, um, they are equal. And while I'm on this, this is not 
my treaties on the Trinity that will have to come on another episode. But um, many cults uh, like to argue or allege that Christians believe in three gods. We do not believe in three gods. We believe in one God who's revealed himself in three persons. Again, we believe in one God who's revealed himself in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You may be asking yourself, well, how can that be? And as far as we can argue, as far as we can unpack this doctrine, it would classify or go under the category of mysteries. Mysteries is knowledge that belong to God alone. There are certain things uh, that only God knows. Uh, I'm not sure how the Trinity works, but I know that the Bible uh, conveys that doctrine. I'm not sure how we can have uh, three persons, but yet one God. But the Bible conveys that doctrine. So just because we have a doctrine that falls under mystery doesn't mean that it's not true. Doesn't mean that uh, the Bible doesn't teach it. Uh, What we have to do when it comes to mysteries is trust God. Uh, that um, we have the information we need to live an abundant life. That's the bottom line. There are so many things we do know uh, that we're still struggling with. And as an apologist, uh, there are some things that fall under the mystery category. And that's okay. We don't need to know everything in this lifetime. There is some information that only God knows about. And part of the mysteries, rather, that we are trying to figure out is um, how do we, we know how to get saved. We, we, we accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Um, but, but how is it um, functionally that the Holy Spirit is able to take us and transform us? That's mysterious. Uh, but yet we know it happens. We see the evidence. We see the results. So there are many things that fall under mysteries um, uh, that we can talk about. But we have to trust God. So last episode, we left uh, with John chapter 4, where John is painting a picture for us as it relates to Jesus and the Samaritan woman. But what I would like to highlight in this chapter 4 is... Uh, Jesus and his divinity being revealed as reported by John. So we're talking about the divinity of Jesus Christ. This is what John is trying to portray to us. Uh, One of the main highlights in chapter four is a record of Jesus dealing with the Samaritan woman. um, And and we're learning some things about this uh, particular meeting. The Jews looked upon the Samaritans in a condescending manner, again, due to the erase. It was unusual for Jews to spend time with Samaritans, according to the culture. In addition, it was even more unusual for a Jewish man to hold a conversation with a Samaritan woman. So there's a couple of taboos that Jesus is breaking, um, visiting or going through Samaria, which was uh, not a conventional route for where he was trying to get to, but he saw it as necessary to get to Samaria. And while I'm on it, um, we, we need to, when we read these type of uh, narratives, we need to look at ourselves in the mirror. Are we prejudiced against a certain group because of what we've been taught, because of what other people have said, and e- even at 
the expense of being obedient to the Holy Spirit. Uh, I always say that Christians can go wherever the Holy Spirit leads them to go. The question is, what are we doing once we get there? God sometimes have us in positions uh, that may challenge us, that may challenge our traditions, but he has you there to be a witness. He has you there to be a light. God sometimes compels us to go through certain routes, certain uh, roads in life, and we ask ourselves, why am I here? Why, how did I get here, and, and what's the purpose of me being here? But ultimately, you may know the specifics. You and God know the specifics, but God wants to bring glory through your walk. God wants to have glory through your, uh, your saltiness. He wants to have glory through your light. God wants to uh, glorify himself through you because you're being a witness right where you are. So even though we find ourselves uh, compelled to go to places that we may not want to go on our own, oftentimes God has us in these places for a reason, and the ultimate reason is to bring him glory. I've been at different jobs uh, throughout my Christian walk uh, that have allowed uh, me to testify about what God was doing in my life. And as a result, that testimony bled into the life of those that were around me. And so we shouldn't always um, look at our surroundings, our environment as a negative. We should not always look at it as a depressive state. We should not always uh, be bitter and angry because we are where we are. We have to deal with people that don't think like us. We have to sometimes deal with people that don't believe in God. We have to sometimes deal with family members uh, that grew up with us but have since rejected God. Uh, Sometimes we find ourselves in places that we'd rather not be But instead of being bitter, instead of sulking, instead of having a pity party, we ought to depend on God. We ought to uh, remember what God told us, uh, that he wants to use us. He wants to use me. He wants to use you to be a testimony for others. So Jesus going through Samaria was for a reason. Others may not have understood it, but he was there for a reason. And and that reason dealt with kingdom building. And we often lose sight of that. God has you right where you are for kingdom building. It's not just about filing notes. It's not just about typing on your computer. It's not just about answering phone calls. It's not just about doing meetings or hosting meetings. It's not just about uh, gaining profit. It's not about those things as a priority. The priority is kingdom building. The priority is uh, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. That was his agenda. Nothing else interrupted the priority. Everything else was secondary. So the events surrounding this unexpected meeting with the Samaritan woman was captured by the Apostle John in his gospel. First, we learn this. Jesus admits that he is the Messiah. John uh, verse 26. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. 
Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. He tells her, the person that you're talking to, I am he. Secondly, John again demonstrates to his readers that Jesus is all-knowing. He records Jesus uh, supernaturally giving an account of the Samaritan woman's heart and life in verses 15 through 18 of chapter 4. So as a result, as a result of Christ's ability to know the unknowable, she knew that he was a prophet. She knew Jesus was a prophet. The way that he was able to read her, the way that he was able to uh, regurgitate her life, the way that he was able to make things plain to her, that she knew that this was not just an ordinary man. This man, this man knows God. That, uh, that's what uh, she believed. She didn't fully understand that he was God the Son, but she knew this much, that this man was connected to God. Moreover, John again records Jesus prophesying. Christ informs the Samaritan woman that there will come a day when one would not be restricted to worshiping in one place, verse 21. And it's apparent through this narrative that Christ uh, is not only unique, he is divine. He's able to prophesy without reservation. He doesn't give us generalities like Nostradamus and other uh, so-called prophets. Jesus is clear. Jesus is succinct. Jesus is precise. Jesus gives details, specific details. This is how we know that he, he's not only of God, that he is God. So when we talk about Jesus' response to this woman saying there'll come a day where worship will not be restricted to this locality, I am so thankful that we can worship Christ wherever we are. We don't have to travel like some other religions to a specific land, to a specific location to worship God. You can worship God right where you are. You can, you, you, you're listening to us on the radio. You're listening to us uh, on our podcast right where you are. You can worship God right now. You don't need the church band to play for you to worship. You don't need your pastor or elder uh, right behind you or in front of you to worship. You don't need to be in the sanctuary to worship. That's, that, that's fine if you're in the sanctuary. It's fine if you are among other Christians, but you can worship God right by yourself. You don't need to always be with other people. It's important. I believe in corporate worship. I believe that as a Christian, you ought to be part of a Bible teaching local church. You, 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 have, to, you have to be a part of the Christian community. 
uh, whether online or in person. You have to be part of a Christian community. And so when we are not in the presence of other people, are you worshiping? Or do you remember what Jesus told this Samaritan woman that you don't have to be at a specific location to worship? And worship is not always what we think it is. Worship is not always um, just singing. It's not always having a band or a choir. Worship is also a lifestyle. A lifestyle of worship, how you treat other people. When, when you're kind to other people, that's a form of worship. When you're not envious, that's a form of worship. When you're giving God all the glory and the honor uh, through your speech and through your, your teachings and through your engagements, that's a form of worship. When you are raising up your children in the admonition of God, that's a form of worship. So Jesus is basically... Um, refining this woman's theology. Jesus is grooming even the disciples, even though they're not there in this narrative, and, and it's intentional. If you notice, when you read the story about the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, it starts off, or, or we see a bracket. The first bracket is the, 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 uh, uh, the disciples departing Jesus. Then at the end of the interaction is the disciples coming back to Jesus. But in between that time is Sunday school time, if I may be metaphorical. It is teaching time, and Jesus didn't want anyone else in, the pres- in his presence while he evangelized to the Samaritan woman. He wanted it to be one-on-one. And at times, God is trying to get our attention, and we have too many distractions. We have too many people that are in the way, and he's trying to get your attention just one-on-one. One-on-one. God wants to speak to your heart. God wants you to know his ways. God wants you to learn more about him. God has an assignment for you. God is speaking to you through the storm through the challenges, through the pain, through uh, the difficulties. God is trying to get your attention. So sometimes it's good to be alone. What I love about the Gospels is it, it tells us that early in the morning, Jesus would get up and go talk to the Father. No one else was with him. And we have to follow that pattern. We have to learn the importance of being alone with God. It's not always a healthy thing to always be around people and not having an intimate time with God. When we go on retreats, I, I, I miss the days when we were able to go on annual retreats where uh, uh, it would be a men's retreat. It would be a women's retreat. Uh, even the youth had retreats. And the point of the retreat was to get away from the hustle and bustle of our daily lives, to get away from all of the uh, uh, phone calls, to get away from all of the emails, to get away from uh, all of the uh, uh, social messages and inboxes, uh, just to retreat and talk to God without the distractions of everyday life. When we're able to talk to God without the distractions, we hear him more clearly. When we're able to talk to God without a lot of the distractions, we're able to be uh, uh, filled with the spirit the way that we need to be filled. Then we're able to grow in a way that we could never grow if we still were distracted. So it's important, just like Jesus did with the disciples, 
It's important to carve out time for us to talk to God alone. He did this for the disciples, meaning that they were out of the way so they uh, uh, wouldn't get in, in the way. And then he did it for the Samaritan woman where she didn't have to answer unnecessary questions. And so Jesus had the time to really uh, disciple her and deal with her the way that she needed to be dealt with. It's almost like uh, she was in operation. She was in surgery. And when you're in surgery, you don't want unnecessary people there uh, causing a distraction uh, to the doctor when the doctor is doing what the doctor does. It's the same thing when God is ministering to us in a special way uh, at times. We don't need people being a distraction. We don't need the people that claim to love us getting in the way. So it's important that we are intentional about spending time with God, whether it's, um, it's a prayer room that you have. There, there was a popular movie a few years back called uh, uh, The War Room, and, and it emphasized the importance of carving out a space where you can go and talk to God. Again, we're not worshiping this space. We're not deifying this space, but it's good to have a place, to have a space, to have time where it's just you and the Lord talking and, and being honest and transparent with God, talking to him and uh, 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 sharing with him your innermost secrets and sharing with him how you feel and what you think and allowing God to talk back to you based on his word. When God talks to us, it has precedence in his word. Even, even if you have the gift of prophecy, that prophetic gift will never uh, contradict the word that we receive. It will never contradict the Bible that we receive. So be careful when people say they're prophesying and that prophecy is in conflict with God's word. I've shared this before and I I, I share it because I want to help some of you all, helping you to avoid some of these false uh, theological presence that's around us. Um, There was a, a lady that called me one time at work and uh, she was talking about um, how she was a prophetess, and she she had issues with this relationship with her significant other. And to make a long story short, come to find out that her significant other was a married man, not her being married to this man. He's married to another woman, but here she is praying for that her relationship with this married man works out, praying that he leaves this other woman and uh, engages in a, a relationship with her, but yet she says she was a prophetess. And once your prophecy or, or once your statements or desires are, are in conflict with God, there is a problem. There's a problem. So uh, she is... Uh, totally um, ignorant of God's word as it relates to um, what God says about relationship and not uh, committing adultery and and um, misrepresenting God. That's number two. It's saying that she's a prophetess. Well, if you're a prophetess, you have to know that that is not uh, biblical. That desire to be with someone that's not your spouse 
is not biblical because it violates God's ordinance of, com- of not committing adultery. So I hope that helps those of you that are listening. Uh, if, if prophecy is going to be given, it has to be in harmony. It has to be consistent with the word of God. So John 4 really helps us in, in many ways. Again, we learn through the interaction with this Samaritan woman that we shouldn't uh, disregard people because of race. God is calling all races. Doesn't matter what race you are. God is calling you into his family. It doesn't matter if you, if you live in, in a society that doesn't uh, accept Christ. God is still calling you. The invitation is extended to everyone around the world, the uttermost part of the world. God is looking for everybody to have an opportunity to accept his son, Jesus Christ. So whether you live in a Buddhist country, whether you live in a Muslim country, whether you live in an atheist country, whether you live in a religious country, whether you white, black, yellow, doesn't matter. Whatever your hue or color is, God is calling you. He wants all races to accept Jesus Christ because that's what heaven is going to be like. Heaven is going to have all creeds, going to have all colors. Heaven is going to be a rainbow of different people. So we that have the invitation, God is expecting us to go out and extend that invitation. God wants our churches to not just look like one color. God is looking for us to come together so we can practice before we get to heaven. So God, again, is telling us through this narrative of John chapter 4 that he wants uh, this Samaritan woman to understand that she's also invited into his kingdom. Doesn't matter if you're male or female. Doesn't matter if you're white or black or Asian or, or whatever your background is. God is inviting you into a loving relationship. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're physically healthy or sickly. God is inviting you into a loving relationship with him. So we must not be prejudiced. That's what we learn about the story. Then we, we can worship God wherever you find yourself. You, you can always worship God. So I hope this message reaches your heart. I hope you, you, you get the key truths of what Jesus is trying to tell us. And remember to always do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. And please consider giving and supporting this show. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this broadcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network 
They've got shows. Hey, Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take. But I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.